5.05 p.m. A note, the ringing of cell phones, pagers, and similar devices can still happen virtually and is still prohibited. Please turn your devices off. Due to the COVID-19 health emergency and to protect commissioners, department staff, and members of the public, the Commission on the Environment's meeting room 416 is closed. However, commissioners and department staff will be participating in the meeting remotely. This precaution is taken pursuant to the statewide stay-at-home order and all preceding and proceeding local, state, and federal orders, declarations, and directives. Commissioners will attend the meeting through video conference or by telephone if the video fails and participate in the meeting to the same extent as if they were physically present. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. SFGovTV.org are streaming the number at, up at the top of the screen. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available via phone call by calling 1-415-655-0001 and entering access code 187-096-1685. When connected, dial star three to be added to the queue. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down any other devices. Alternatively, you may submit public comment by email to the department's commission affairs officer at environment at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and will be included as part of the official file. I will now call the roll. President Stevenson. Here. Vice President Ahn. Here. Commissioner Bermejo. Here. Commissioner Ku. Here. Commissioner Sullivan. Here. Commissioner Wald. Here. And Commissioner Wan. Here. Okay, President Stevenson, we have a quorum. Great, next item, please. All right, our next item is item two, President's Welcome, and this item is for discussion. Hello, everybody, good evening, and thank you for joining us for this special meeting of the Commission on the Environment. While we have a lot to cover tonight, I'm pleased to start off this meeting by reading the Commission's newly adopted land acknowledgement. As you may recall, this commission is committed to incorporating issues related to equity into its meetings. To that point, when the commission last met, we voted to acknowledge that we are, we are on Ramatush Ohlone land by reading a land acknowledgement at the beginning of each meeting. I will now read that statement. The Commission on the Environment acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We recognize that the Ramatish Ohlone understand the interconnectedness of all things and have maintained harmony with nature for millennia. We honor the Ramatish Ohlone peoples for their enduring commitment to WAREP, Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatish Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. We recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as the first peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. As environmentalists, we recognize that we must embrace indigenous knowledge in how we care for San Francisco and all its people. Thank you for your attention during that important acknowledgement. And now for a little housekeeping, um, it's a new year and we have new committee assignments which are for the policy committee, Chair Sullivan, Commissioner Ahn, and Commissioner Wald. And for the operations committee, Chair Wan, Commissioner Bermejo, and Commissioner Chu. Thank you all for your service and for jumping onto those committees. Finally, I'd like to comment a little bit on why we're here. 
As you know, per the city's charter, commissions are required to approve department budgets, which we recently did at our February 1st meeting. Unfortunately, after that meeting, the Department of the Environment received updated work orders with funding amounts that differed from what was anticipated. I called for this special commission meeting so that the commissioners and the public can be briefed and updated on how the budget situation has changed since our last commission meeting. I want to thank staff for working with me to pull together this special meeting, and I look forward to an open, transparent conversation about our budget today and what we can do about it for tomorrow and beyond. So let's open it up to public comment. Given the interest in tonight's agenda, I'd like to limit public comment, please, to two minutes per comment for this evening's discussion. And if you have comments pertaining to the department's budget, I ask that you please reserve these comments for agenda item five, when we will talk extensively about the department budget. So hold those comments until agenda item five. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Katie. All right, so we'll open for public comment on this agenda item, which is the president's welcome. And I will share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen for anyone who's, who is joining via WebEx. And I'll also just read, read them out. So you can dial 415-655-0001 and enter access code 187-096-1685. And be sure to press star three in order to be added to the queue. And you will have two minutes to make your comment. And give me one second while I check our queue. All right, and I'm not seeing any callers in the queue currently, but we'll take a brief pause in case anyone would like to call in to comment on the president's welcome. Right, and I'm still seeing no callers in the queue. All right, then with no callers in the queue, public comments now closed. Next agenda item, please. All right, we'll move on to agenda item three, approval of minutes of the February 1, 2021 Commission on the Environment meeting. The explanatory document is the February 1, 2021 draft minutes, and this item is for discussion and possible action. All right, commissioners, is there any discussion on the minutes from the last meeting? Do I hear a motion? So I'll move. Someone beat me. Uh, moved by Commissioner Sullivan. Can I have a second? Commissioner Burbejo? Yes, so second. Okay. All right, moved by Commissioner Sullivan, um, seconded by Commissioner Bermejo. Is there any public comment on this item? All right, so we can open for public comment on this item and I will share the instructions for making a public comment. And please be sure to comment on this agenda item, which is the approval of minutes and be sure to press star three in order to be added to the queue and you will have two minutes to make your comment. And let me check our queue. Okay, and I do see that we have one caller in the queue and so give me one second while I switch screens here. And I will pull up a timer for public comment. And I will unmute our caller and start our timer now. 
Hi, commissioners. This is Daniel Tahara. Um, good to virtually see you again. Um, I just wanted to point out a couple of typos on the agenda, in particular my name, uh, as well as Helena Berecki. Um, I know it's hard to catch, uh, but I'll spell it for the record. Um, my last name is T as in Tom, A-H-A-R-A, -A, uh, and Helena Berecki is uh, B-I-R-E-C-K-I. Thanks. Oh, sorry, K-I, not C-K-I. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Are there any other comments? I'm seeing no additional callers in the queue. All right, seeing no additional callers, can we have a roll call vote, please? Yes, President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President Ahn. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Aye. Commissioner Chu. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Aye. And Commissioner Wan. Aye. Okay. All right, the motion passes. Next item, please. Okay, our next item is item four, general public comment. Uh, members of the public may address the commission on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda. And so give me one second while I share the instructions for making a public comment up on the screen. And please remember to press star three in order to be added to the queue, and you will have two minutes to make your comment. And just a reminder that this comment period should be regarding items that are within the commission's jurisdiction, but not on today's agenda. All right, are there any commenters in the queue? All right, I am seeing that we have a few callers in the queue, and so let me switch screens again here and pull up the timer. All right, and I'm going to unmute our first caller and start the timer now. Uh, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Catherine Howard, and I wanted to talk about the environmental concerns with the Ferris wheel that's been placed in Golden Gate Park. Our city parks are a vital refuge for wild animals struggling to deal with the loss of habitat and open space. Wildlife needs darkness. Light pollution can have a negative impact on birds, both resident and migrating, as well as bats, insects, amphibians, and other animals. Artificial light can alter an animal's circadian rhythm, disrupt breeding, foraging, and sheltering cycle. Golden Gate Park is one of the few places in San Francisco where wildlife can find refuge at night. Um, I'm encouraging the commissioners and other people calling in or listening today to call into the HPC on Wednesday at March 3rd at 12:30, and to ask that the wheel extension be limited to a maximum of one year and that the wheel be permanently removed from Golden Gate Park at that time. There's more information at www.sfurbannature.org. Thank you. Thank you for coming. All right. And I will unmute our next caller now. Hello, thanks for letting me comment. All the recent lighting additions to Golden Gate Park, the strobing Ferris wheel, entwined meadow, art exhibit, the soccer fields, tennis courts, music concourse, bandshell disco lighting, and the illuminated conservancy of flowers spurred me to request that you help improve the city's lighting policy. 
United Nations Global Assessment Report on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services has found that 40, a 45% decline in insect populations in just the past 40 years. Lighting pollution has been cited as a major contributor to the decline of insect populations. Sky glow, light from populated areas that scatters through the atmosphere and can be seen from miles away, reduces many insect species' ability to orient themselves, find food, avoid predation, and reproduce. According to an article published in the Annals of Applied Biology, many insects are attracted to direct light sources such as street lamps and stadium lamps, where they may be killed on contact by heat, electrocution, or the forces of impact. They may also get trapped and exhausted or preyed upon. Moreover, study, the study notes that artificial light can impede communication among insects, diminish their average lifespans, and even change their physiology. The biology and ecology of birds and bats are also affected by the intrusion of artificial lighting. A scientific study on artificial lighting, lighting's impacts includes the disruption of circadian rhythms and the disorientation during flight. Even plant phenology is affected by lighting. So please advise the city to follow the science before adding lighting throughout the city. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any more callers in the queue? I am seeing that we have one more caller in the queue, and so I will unmute our next caller now. Hi there, commissioners. This is uh, Chris. Um, I just wanted to discuss briefly uh, the fact that you know I've been I've been following the land use committee hearings with the board of supervisors pretty closely, and there has been an extreme uh, dearth of climate related legislation. Um, in this most recent session, and I'm very curious to know when we can expect the construction and demolition debris ordinance to come back to the Board of Supervisors, and when we can expect other exciting climate legislation, given that we are in a climate emergency. Um, I'd also like to add, again, as I have every meeting, that I'd like to see a carbon fee attached to the demolition, construction and demolition debris ordinance. Um, we've heard, you know, most recently from one of the top economists in the Obama administration that helped develop the social cost of carbon that he believes the true cost of carbon should be no less than $125 per metric ton of carbon. So, you know, if we don't, if we don't pursue this carbon fee, we're really leaving about $20 million per year on the table that you could, that could go directly to you know, communities that desperately need climate mitigation and those that are most impacted by pollution and climate change. So I really hope you consider moving forward with this ordinance with a carbon fee and that we will soon see some more um, exciting climate legislation at the land use committee as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, we do have one additional caller in the queue. So I will unmute them now. Thank you. My name is Helena Barecki, um, and I'm a resident of District 9 in San Francisco. And I just wanted to second the comments of the previous caller. They are spot on. That's all. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right. And I'm seeing no additional callers in the queue. All right. Then next item, please, Katie. All right, we can move on to item five, presentation on changes to the department budget and vote on whether to approve resolution file 
2021-02-COE, addressing short-term and long-term funding concerns for critical department programs. The sponsor is Heather Stevenson, Commission President, and the speakers are Deborah Rafael, Director, and Joseph Salem, Program Manager, Finance and Administration. The explanatory document is, a, is resolution file number 2021-02-COE, addressing short-term and long-term funding concerns for critical department programs. And this item is for discussion and possible action. All right, thanks, Katie. Uh, since we have such a short meeting and this is the only presentation on our agenda, I'd like to pick up where I left off in my president's welcome. So the department received updated work orders from the SFPUC, which reduced funding available to the department. This reduction combined with an SFMTA work order change has resulted in a $346,000 reduction in each of the fiscal years in the budget that we approved. Um, fiscal year 2021 and 22, and also 22 and 23. So this is clearly a significant change. So in the spirit of transparency, I've asked staff to present today so we can fully understand the scope of the budget changes that are arising from these work order reductions, and more importantly, what their impact might be on the staff and department programs. I also wanna note that this is not a surprise. Uh, we talked about it a little bit during the last meeting as well. Departments across the city have all been impacted by economic devastation wrought by the pandemic. Everyone is making tough budget choices right now. In their presentation, I've asked the staff to offer ideas on how we can restore these cuts. I also don't think I need to remind anyone tuning into our meeting today about the immediacy and the tangible realities of climate change that we're already witnessing right here in our very own city. We can't sit idly by and let a return to the status quo dictate our current and post-pandemic response to this climate crisis. We're rapidly approaching the point of no return on climate, and this must be a priority in this new fiscal year. Finally, many of these points are addressed and encapsulated in the resolution that I intend to offer today. I'm hoping you'll consider it after our discussion. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to our speakers, Joe Salem and Debbie Raphael. Thank you, President, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Stevenson, and was here. Uh, Good evening, commissioners. Uh, my name is Joe Salem, and I am the finance manager for the Department of the Environment. I'm here this evening to discuss unexpected and material changes in the draft fiscal 2021-2022 budget that was adopted by the commission on February 1st. When we presented the draft budget to this commission, we were anticipating the continuation of our annual interdepartmental services, or IDS, work order with the, P, with the SFPUC at the current levels. We have since learned that we will be receiving $248,000 less than expected from the PUC. This, along with the anticipated loss of $98,000 from the SFMTA, reflects a reduction in funding to our climate and EV work from fiscal 2021 to fiscal 2022 of $346,000. As you know, we present a draft budget to the commission and there are always small changes and adjustments to that budget before we submit it to the mayor's office. Those adjustments do not usually present material changes to our scope or staffing. Uh, this year, however, the change is significant enough to imp Im impact our critical work and our ability to fund existing staff positions. So we thought that it would be important to make the commission aware of the changes and impacts on the department. Next slide, please. 
Uh, as you can see from this first pie chart, uh, climate and EV funding always represented a small portion of our overall funding, 4% and 2% respectively. And now they're getting even smaller. Uh, the impact of these reductions are felt specifically in our EV and climate work. And for clarity, I'm going to break out the EV work from the other work of the Clean Transportation Program, since this is where you will see the impact. The next slide, please. So let's look at electric vehicles. Uh, of that $346,000 reduction I mentioned earlier, 271,000 of it comes from our EV programming. Funding for electric vehicle work has been reduced from a total of $417,799 in fiscal 2021 to $146,179 in fiscal 2022. This represents a crushing 84% reduction to our non-grant funding. This is foundational funding that allows us to leverage other grants to support our core work. The remaining funding for EVs comes largely from Clean Cities, a U.S. Department of Energy program that's intended to support the city's core work reducing petroleum consumption and provides partial support for a position. If we are unable to fully support the associated position, we may no longer be able to leverage this federal funding. At this point, we do not have the funding necessary to retain all of our current EV staff. This means that there is a position that we cannot fund. And on a small team, one is a big number. Uh, next slide, please. The other area where the reduction in work order funding is being felt is in the climate program. Of the $346,000 reduction, $75,000 is coming from the climate work, coming from climate work, or approximately 20% of our non-impound climate funding. This funding reduction is from a long-held uh, long PUC work order that supports the core work of the, of the climate program. While $75,000 seems like a small number, especially compared to the EV reduction, it's important to understand that because the Department of Environment does not receive any general fund support, seemingly small variances can have an outsized impact on the department. And this is the case here. Funding for the climate program, much like the electric vehicles and frankly, the department as a whole, is dependent on identifying and securing outside sources of funding. This funding ebbs and flows, and historically, we have been able to leverage grants with other sources. But like the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back, we've reached the extent of our ability to fill the funding gaps. We cannot make up this reduction with funding in existing sources. As you're well aware, the Department of the Environment is funded entirely by grants and interdepartmental work orders that are tied dollar for dollar to specific deliverables and the solid waste impound funding that is highly restricted in terms of where the funds can be utilized. As a result, there, are, there is no amount of rearranging or reappropriating or reprioritizing that can solve this deficit. And, it, and this imperils specific positions. So again, while the dollar amount seems immaterial, when you can't come up with that immaterial funding, it becomes very material. And that's where we are as of right now. Uh, we currently do not have the funding to retain all of the FTEs associated with the climate program. 
which means that there is a position that we cannot find. The next slide, please. The budget is currently with the mayor's office and between now and June, we're working with them to look for other sources of funding. Uh, and we're hopeful that you know, the federal stimulus funding will be available to fill this gap. So yeah. that's what we believe to be the best path forward at this point. Um, now I'm going to turn it over to our director, Debbie Raffel, to, to provide more detail as to the impact of this funding reduction on our programs. Thank you, Joe. Uh, before we go to the next slide, I just want you to notice that there is a time period here between when our budget went public February 26th, this meeting March 1st, and when the budget leaves the mayor's office and goes to the Board of Supervisors. And so we expect uh, between now and June 1st to be having extensive conversations with the mayor's office about the situation as highlighted in today's meeting. Next slide. So what I'm gonna do with my time is step back for a second and look at sort of a 60,000 foot level of the impacts of this, and then go down to the 100 foot level in terms of what actually the impacts are on programs and then come back up again as we look forward. So now stepping back from the numbers and thinking about impact, of course, I think it's always important to remind ourselves what is the mission of this department that we are trying to fund. And of course, this Department of the Environment, its mission is to provide solutions, is to be very, very concrete, to provide solutions that advance climate protection and enhance the quality of life for all San Franciscans. So out, we are about innovation, we are about implementation, and we are about equity. We cannot separate those three elements. Next slide. And as you know, as Joe has said, and you're very familiar with the fact that our funding, as you saw in the first pie chart, comes in a good amount from the refuse rates. That's a very stable source of funding. And it has a nexus because it's a fee. It's associated with a service. And so the funding that we do outside of that, the program work we do outside of that nexus, needs uh, additional sources of funding because we have no general fund support. And I think the, the best way to visualize this is in the Climate Action Plan. So the Climate Action Plan is divided, is going to be divided into these three sec six sections, sorry. And you see them on this slide. And what you can see is that there are two sections, responsible production, consumption, and healthy ecosystems that are actually fairly well funded within the department right now. And we can be working on legislation and programming and policies and implementation around those areas. But it's the other areas where we're looking at energy, renewable energy, um, electric vehicles, how do our buildings, electrification of buildings, that's where we're having a challenge. We had and have had since I've been director and even before then, what we call foundational funding for those other efforts. And those foundational funding, that foundational funding was provided through work orders, provided from the PUC and provided um, from MTA and the PUC together through the low carbon fuel standard revenue stream. So that funding was our baseline and we would 
augment that foundational funding by writing grants and by getting other work orders from other city agencies and entering into contracts. But all of those non-foundational funding sources, we have to remember, are very inflexible because they're associated with a particular project and they're also unreliable. And I'll talk about the impacts of that in a minute. Um, next slide. So there has been a tremendous um, impact over the years. There's been shifts. And I, I liken it to a Jenga game where we keep pulling out little pieces of our structure and ultimately you pull out a piece that no longer can support the structure as a whole. So if we look at the past few years, what we've actually seen in terms of the grants world is a, is a big change for us. Uh, the number of electric vehicle staff, the people working on electric vehicles went from three in 2019 down to just a little bit more than one and now is less than one. And that's because of grants that were ended and grants we didn't get. In energy efficiency work, we've actually, we're at down six staff members in our energy efficiency work. And that's because our main funding source is the public goods charge through PG&E. And they have reduced that to public agencies by 65%. So we're down in energy efficiency, we're down on electric vehicles. Our climate program, because of grants that have ended, is down three positions. So we have three positions that we have permission for, but we cannot fund. And what we're finding as we try desperately to put back pieces into this Jenga puzzle is that philanthropy is largely looking elsewhere right now. They're not as interested in funding local government. And as you can imagine, the last four years at the federal level have been pretty dry in terms of what federal funding is available to us and therefore the state funding that's available for us is highly competitive, um, you know, extremely competitive. And they're focusing largely as makes sense on disadvantaged communities that they feel are less resourced than San Francisco. So this system of changes in grant availability, both from philanthropy and from state, federal um, and utilities has meant that we, as Joe said, any change to our foundational funding is really problematic to us and incredibly impactful at this moment in time, even if the absolute dollar amount doesn't sound like it's that much. Next slide. And yet with all of that doom and gloom in terms of our funding over the last few years, I think it's worth noting how incredibly resilient and motivated we are as a small department. And in fact, just in the few years when I thought back and said, all right, well, what have we accomplished even as that funding has decreased? We have the most comprehensive natural gas ban in the country. We have formulated and staffed a zero emission task force that's gonna plot the future of decarbonizing existing buildings. We have innovative EV charging requirements that are now law in uh, private parking garages, and innovative contracts that are on the, the in development for municipal parking garages. We've hosted EV workshops for parking garages. We've hosted workshops for residents on uh, everything from switching out your hot water system to uh, induction cooking. And of course, we've 
passed legislation to require renewable energy in large commercial buildings. So we're moving forward and we're piecing it together, but we're at the point now where our Jenga puzzle is, is starting to collapse, I fear. And all of that, we could do so much more, of course, if we had more resources. Next slide. So where we stand today. So as you heard from President Stevenson and from Joe, we're looking at changes to work orders from two departments totaling $346,000. And as I hope we left you with this understanding that while in the big scheme of the city's budget or even our budget, that number can look seductively low, it is of critical importance to us. And I also wanna reiterate what President Stevenson said that it's not a surprise. I, I talk to my colleagues in PUC and MTA all the time and they are hurting. Their budgets are, re their revenue departments, they have been decimated. They are making really tough budget decisions. And therefore what we're proposing today is not to go back to that tap over and over again, but to look right now to the stimulus money that's coming in and saying, let's make sure that stimulus money that comes in, that COVID relief, makes us whole for the next couple of years until we can figure out that longer term solution. Because broadly speaking, if we step back and look, where do these $346,000 impact us? It drastically reduces our department's ability to address transportation and building emissions, especially in communities that are hurting in terms of air pollution, asthma rates, and health. It decreases our ability to engage with the communities who need us most and who are most impacted by climate change. And it really inhibits our ability to be innovative, to pivot, and to look forward for future funding. Next slide. So now what I'd like to do is I wanna go into some specifics. So that's the general. What does it really mean? What can we still do and what can we not do? in terms of our energy work and our climate work with respect to this funding. So we're not looking at other sources of funding, just what happens when we lose this $346,000. So on the energy efficiency side, we still have some of that money and we will be doing work with the PUC um, with the work order money that they are giving us. We are gonna work very closely with the PUC to get additional funding from the California Public Utilities Commission to try and offset the money we lost from PG&E. That's gonna be a big source of our work with the San Francisco PUC. We're going to be working with them on energy efficiency programs because we're gonna start up programs together. We're looking ahead. On electric vehicles, as Joe said, we're, we're able to do a tiny bit of electric vehicle work because of this Department of Energy funding, but it's very, very targeted and restricted, and it's gonna be looking at fleets and some heavy duty vehicles. So that's the good news. We're not gonna be completely out of the picture, but that's, that's what we can do. Next slide. But what can't we do on energy efficiency? And this is what we can't do this is what we would do with that money. It's not what we need to do on the big scale of a climate emergency, but these are the things we were planning to do this coming year that we're not gonna do anymore. 
we're not going to be able to seek funding for large scale charging projects. Um, we're not going to be able to really develop those juicy public-private partnerships, the, the, all the entities that want to put electric vehicle charging in our city, we don't have the staff to meet with them and brainstorm with them and try and solve problems with them. We're not gonna be able to convene that citywide electric vehicle working group to try and overcome institutional barriers to electric vehicle adoption. We're not gonna be able to implement some of the new ordinances that I mentioned that I'm so proud of, the commercial parking lots and garages ordinance, for example. We're not going to be able to work with our colleagues to look at municipal parking garages and how are we going to get those contracts in place. We're not going to be able to track what's going on regulatorily or in terms of funding. So, you know, the list goes on, but that's pretty devastating. That's a lot of X's of things that we know that we thought we were going to do, that we were excited to do, that we're no longer going to be able to do because of the lack of the low carbon fuel standard funding coming from MTA and PDC. Next slide. On the climate side, we're um, also, we're not going away to zero, but we're reduced. And as Joe said, it's that 20% of our non-impound funding that is cutting um, some significant work that we're not gonna be able to do. Um, this is what we can do. So we are gonna work on meeting our obligations for benchmarking on municipal buildings, working with PUC to dashboard energy use. It's very important to PUC. We love to be their partner on that. We'll be able to do our inventory work that we're required to do. We're going to finish our climate action plan this fiscal year. And maybe you know we'll be able to develop some updates to that next fiscal year and track changes. We'll be keeping an eye on things, basically. That's what we will be doing. And we will be uh, developing some dashboards as well. Next slide. But here's what we're not going to be able to do. We're not going to be able to look ahead. We're not, you know, as soon as we finish our climate action plan, it's time to look ahead and say, well, how are we doing towards getting to 2030? Our initial goals, we need to have technical working groups within the city and outside the city to try and bring people together and solve the difficult problems. We need to monitor, frankly, how we're doing. It's great to create that action plan, and we will do that. But in terms of having the resources to really follow it through over time, we don't. And also the outreach and policy support for existing buildings, that is so critical to what we need to do next. We don't have the resources to staff that, um, even in a, in a very small way. We'll do as much as we can, but not to what is needed or what we were expecting to do. So next slide. So in closing and looking ahead, you know, I've offered you sort of the who we are, what the value is, how our funding is structured, what these changes mean on a big scale and what they mean on a detailed scale so that you can see we've done the careful analysis. We know where we are right now. And so this path ahead is pretty clear. We've got a climate emergency. We've got that in a resolution, but we also all know it in our hearts and we know it in our personal experiences. And our department is ready and willing and motivated and passionate to address those challenges and to bring together city agencies, to bring together the private sector, to bring together our motivated residents to work towards that common vision. So when I look at what we need to do next, 
the first order of business is to allow us to do in 20 in this coming fiscal year what we were planning to do, which is bring us whole that $346,000. What we believe and what I understand is our best bet for that is that the stimulus money, the package has gone through the House, it's now in the Senate. We should know by middle of March whether or not the package goes out. If it does, in, in somewhat the current state, San Francisco is set to receive hundreds of millions of dollars. We need to make sure that some of that money goes to our programs to at least make us whole so that we can do the work that we were planning on doing in this fiscal year. And lastly, we need to finally own the fact that this model of having foundational funding that is not stable is really unsustainable. And we've been living with this for 20 years, ever since all general fund money went away. And not only is it unsustainable for our department, it doesn't give us a path forward to fund the work that really needs to be funded to implement the Climate Action Plan. And that's not going to be by arm wrestling other city departments over the general fund. That isn't, that isn't the end game here. We have got to find another way to find sustainable funding and sustainable revenue. And it might be a cost of carbon, just like we heard from some, we've heard that from lots of people who've come in on public comment. I am already working with Supervisor Mandelman and having conversations with the controller's office to figure out how do we put together a path forward to make that funding available? What are the options for the city, given that we are a particular city in a particular state, there are legal frameworks and legal opportunities and legal challenges. So that is where I'm committed to working, but in order to even have the bandwidth to do that work, we need to have a stable funding source so that we can have the staff to ask those questions and bring people together. So with that, I, I'm optimistic that with all of us, with the commission helping us, with the general public helping us, with um, the nonprofits as well as the business community weighing in, that we can convince the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor's Office that this stimulus money has a home in our department, and that's just the beginning. So thank you very much. Thank you, Debbie and Joe. Um, I really appreciated the Jenga analogy. That was that felt very familiar. Um, so, you know, I think about ten years ago, I joined the commission, and I was put on the operations committee. And I remember the first time the budget came to us. Hold on, I changed my layout so I can see all your faces. Um, I remember the first time that, that the budget came to us and the sort of strange shock of realizing that we didn't receive any money from the general fund. And, you know, and the conversations that we've had over the course of the years, whether it was on the committee or in the full commission, about how you know, it would it would percolate up to the forefront of our consciousness during the times when it was the most difficult. And I remember there were times when, you know, the grant funding didn't pay for things like maternity leave and mandated vacation times. Um, and so we had to scrape around the edges to figure out how we would cover those things. Um, there were 
all sorts of times where unfunded mandates would come up, where all of a sudden the department was given a, a task to do and no money to do it. But magically, through the through the um, great skill and I think the the passionate commitment of everybody on the teams, um, we've made it happen. You guys all made it happen, and I think that that's a testament to everybody that's um, working in the department right now. Um, there were even times where you know general fund funded departments had to make budget cuts that we didn't have to make. And we felt kind of happy about that. There are times where it kind of worked in our favor. Um, but I think that per, like lying beneath all of that through all that time was this very clear understanding that, you know, we, you know, if not here, where we're a city who, who believes in um, the risk of the climate crisis. We are a city that understands the impact on all of our communities and, um, sooner or later, we're going to have to have this conversation. And I think that this is the time and we need to have this conversation. Um, so um, I want to open it up to, to the rest of my fellow commissioners for comments and discussion around this. But I just want to say that um, I think that we all heard very clearly from the members of the public who spent time with us in our last meeting that um, there, there's a, a time right now where we need to start talking about what is the long-term funding of this department look like? And yes, we need to talk about, you know, plugging the hole for right now. But I would like our conversation here today too, to be about, you know, what are our thoughts on how we get to that longer term goal? So I wanna open it up to my fellow commissioners so we can have a discussion. Go ahead, Commissioner Ahn. So, uh... I, I agree with also everything that President Stevenson has said. I don't know how we can claim to be in a climate emergency and still face these devastating budget cuts to our programs, which also deal specifically with work and transportation emissions and air quality and environmental justice communities. I hope we can get uh, part of the federal stimulus money. What would be helpful to understand from staff is uh, what is the scope of federal stimulus being proposed for the city and how other departments are also approaching it as well. Uh, is staff able to answer that? When you say the scope of it, how many hundreds of millions of dollars? Right. Um, you know, I don't know, but it's it what it seems to be about. So the city has in the next two years about a 600, let's just, I'll do rough numbers here, $600 million shortfall over two years. The mayor's office is hoping that what comes from that stimulus money will fill the shortfall, meaning all, because what's happening this right now is every department is putting in a budget of hurt right now. And so what the mayor's office is hoping is that stimulus money will bring everybody up to less much less hurt and so every department is my understanding is having a sort of similar conversation with their commission that this stimulus money needs to fill the hurt and this is what our hurt looks like so that that is my sense of that and generally yeah. I'm, I'm sympathetic of course to other city departments that are facing budget cuts uh, i mean these particular budget cuts that we we're discussing today they're bad for the environment they're bad for equity. They're bad for communities who face disproportionate air pollution. I, I'm really concerned, and I really think this commission should take strong action today. But uh, perhaps I'll leave it to other commissioners to also ask questions and make comments on this as well. Uh, 
Commissioner Sullivan. Can anyone else hear Commissioner Sullivan or is it? Okay, I think you muted, Mike. I don't see a mute symbol, but we can't hear yeah. We could hear you earlier. Um, uh, having some technical difficulties, hold on. Uh, is there any way to do it through your computer? Like not the headphones? I would try with where the mute button is at the bottom of the screen. There should be a way to adjust the sound and do some troubleshooting. Or you can also call in on the phone line. You can't see the um, screen if you're with the public. We're just Commissioner Sullivan's going to call in on a phone line so that we're able to hear his audio. Perhaps as we wait, one, one additional question. I know our GHG uh, emissions inventory, the completion of that is not directly threatened, but um, it does bring to mind the prior article that talked about how cities were also. Uh, undercounting their GHG emissions. Do you think that generally would be affected? Uh, we've talked about this being, you know, not just about direct, you know, impacts to what's being done, but on the side. Yeah, that article was actually interesting about, there was a study done looking at different um, GHG inventory numbers and there's a lot of dispute about how that researcher looked at inventories and actually in that article, San Francisco looked like one of the most accurate in the country. So I don't, so I, you know, we will still do that inventory work because we're required under international agreement. And um, so that is something we will continue to do. And it's also, so the way work orders work is the requesting department you know, it's a negotiation, what's important to them. And it's very important to PUC that we do this particular work and we will do that work and they will fund us to do that work. However, what will happen is we won't see as great reductions in those numbers because we won't be able to do the work itself. So, yeah. Um, Commissioner Sullivan, you I've just unmuted your phone, so you should be able to speak, hopefully. Can can you can you Yes, great. Hooray. <laughs> um, sorry for the technical difficulties. Um, what I what I was going to say uh, was that I agree completely with everything that uh, President Stevenson said. Um, I don't know whether the right word I, I don't know whether this is alarming or heartbreaking, but it's it's probably both. Um, we do have a climate emergency in the city. And I think <clears throat> the definition of an emergency when you is that when you have one, you prioritize. And I think we've got to find a way to prioritize our climate, uh, our climate work and our EV work, which is also climate work. 
when I was looking at the list of, of things that we aren't gonna do on the, the EV project that, that uh, Debbie showed us, it was just alarming. I mean, no, you know, disband the working group, no work no on work partnerships, on the, the work on the large scale EV uh, stuff that's, that's so important. Um, I really think that of all the things we do in this department, everything is important, but I think the climate work has just gotta be the most important. And when it comes to climate, I, I really think the EV work is, is the low hanging fruit. It's the way to make the biggest difference in the shortest amount of time. So I really think we've gotta find a way to plug a gap. Um, I, I, the, the stimulus funding makes sense for the, the coming year or two, I guess, um, but I, I also agree with the prior um, speakers and, and commissioners that we've got to use this as an opportunity to um, to find long-term funding for the department. We can't this work that's just so important. We can't have it um, subject to the kind of the whims and the 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 chances of what what uh, what grants going to come up or or go in a particular year. So I, I'm very supportive of the um, of the of the resolution. Uh, I, I, I wish there was a way to to restore. I mean, the the, the EV FTEs for the department went from three; it's now down to one. I'm 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 I think it's amazing that we can do the work with the one FTE that we have. But I'd like to see that restored to three somehow. So very supportive. Um, uh, we got to find a way to to maybe we can use this adversity as an opportunity to um, to find a a long-term solution for dependable funding for the department. Thanks, Commissioner Sullivan. Commissioner Wald. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, of course, agree with everything that everyone uh, has uh, said. You, Madam President, and Commissioners on and, and Sullivan, I think that we do need to start with uh, the resolution that appears to me um, to be the sort of the short term answer to the short term problem that we are facing. I, I'd like to say that in, in one sense, in a very important sense, it's a really extraordinary action that we as a commission are being asked um, to take. It, we've never done anything like this. Um, in all the years that I've been a member of this uh, commission. And it appears to me to be the kind of document that we need um, to use or that Director Rappel needs to use uh, during these budget uh, negotiations to deal uh, with this uh, crisis. Uh, I have one amendment that I'd like to propose and I hope it will be accepted by my fellow commissioners and that we will pass the resolution. But that said, the resolution is, is not, to be perfectly honest, uh, what I would have liked uh, it to be. It's extraordinary on the one hand, but really we're asking, we're making a very small request uh, of the board and um, the mayor. This is the request that we're asking, it seems to me, is 
not the kind of action that has made San Francisco a leader nationally, internationally, and it's not the kind of a request that's going to necessarily um, keep us in that leadership uh, position. So I want to say, which others have said, that I hope it's really only the first step and that the next step, I don't know what the end step is, but uh, but the next step will be the kind of letter that we talked about at the last meeting, a letter that sets out the existential crisis that we are facing with climate now and the need for the city to be a leader, not just in setting policy, but also in implementation, in implementing the policies that are set forth in the Climate Action Plan. Without implementation, we are not going to achieve our policy goals. Without implementation, we are not going to fulfill the critically important responsibilities that the board has given us. Without implementation, the communities that we, the city we, profess to care about will continue to suffer the disproportionate impacts of climate and air pollution and the pandemic and, and other um, actions and, and uh, crises. So, and without sufficient funds, there's not gonna be the implementation that is so important and so critical. And we have to help the board and the mayor understand uh, the seriousness of this situation. Debbie cannot do it alone. We have to help her. Uh, and last month, as some of you may recall, I thought a letter from President Stevenson would do this month. I would like to suggest we think about a letter that each and every one of us signs uh, maybe with our supervisorial districts indicated that that tells the board really um, where we are uh, in terms of our ability to address climate, to carry out the responsibilities that they've given us to do the work that needs to be done uh, to achieve the goals that we've set out. So. I want to make a pitch. I'm sorry to add more work, but I, I want to make a pitch uh, to staff that they figure out how we could uh, create such a letter. I don't know whether it means we need a um, a special drafting committee. Uh, I I don't know how to do this, but there there has to be a way that we can send um, the kind of letter um, that I think, and that I think I hear you all saying we need uh, to send them. And then I think a potential follow-up to that kind of letter is that we individually, where possible, attend some of the meetings um, that um, Debbie will be having with uh, members of the board and the mayor. We are their constituents as well as the commissioners on this um, commission. 
And I think we need where we can uh, to speak to them about uh, our feelings and about the, the issues that we're facing. So I hope we can make the resolution at least stronger in one respect, which, and I think we'll get to that, but I also wanna urge us to start thinking about some concrete action for, and the development of a plan that will help us get to where we all agree we need to be. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Wald. Um, I'm wondering, there's a lot to unpack in everything that you just said. Um, which was all excellent as always. Um, I'm wondering if uh, there's an opportunity for us to think about it. And I wanna get to your, um, the, we'll get to the resolution amendment as well. I wanna get to that as well. But, um, you know, last time with the budget, we wanted to send a letter over and then this happened. So we have not yet drafted that letter. It, I'm thinking that there's probably an opportunity for us to pull a very strongly worded letter from all of us or it can come from me to go with the resolution or however we want to put that together um that that speaks to a lot of the things that we talked about last time specifically around coming up with a plan that says you know this is what we're going to need long term to be able to do this i love your framing of the plan versus the implementation of the plan and i think that um, breaking that out very clearly that this is actually the kind of funding that we're going to need to get to that point and i understand there's some interim steps that have to happen before we can um, put that kind of an ask together but i think we i think a letter like we talked about last time would be great um, i'm very intrigued by um, the idea of individual letters to our supervisors um, and I would love to open that up kind of maybe for conversation and discussion um, from everyone else as well. I think that, you know, I certainly like to bother my supervisor. I would be happy to go bother my supervisor in this capacity and be loud and noisy. I'm, I'm often loud and noisy about the schools in that capacity, but um, let's, I mean, I'd love to hear other people's thoughts on that. Go ahead, Commissioner. Um, Thanks, Joanna, for expressing a lot of the sentiments that I feel is probably shared by many members of the commission here tonight. Um, I am obviously more than happy to draft as many letters as necessary, um, be it a letter to the mayor, letters to all of our individual um, supervisors. I wanted to pose the question to Debbie, like, are letters enough? Like, letters... I'm sure everybody's inundated with letters upon letters. Like what from your position in your vantage point do you think would not only get the attention, but move the needle? Are letters the correct and most uh, and best use of our efforts? Well, I mean, I one of my rules of thumb is that the, the world is run by those who show up. And so the more people are showing up, and there's different ways to show up. A letter is one way to show up. Uh, as Commissioner Wald said, going to a meeting with the supervisor is another way to show up. Um, getting other people to show up also. And because clearly in the long game, there's the short term on how are we gonna fill this hole. But in the long game, we need political will and we need political support. So we need political will in electeds, but we also need the political support of the people of the voters because 
my guess, I mean, every conversation I've had is that to do anything meaningful, it's going to go to the voters. And so to do that is, is a campaign. And that starts with letters, but you're right, Commissioner Chu, that in the long game, it's organizing. And I don't know, honestly, what that looks like, because I don't know yet what the options are legally and strategically. There's a lot of work that needs to happen in the next, let's just say, six months, where we have to gather this information, take a look at what the options are, where the appetite is. So it's bringing together, and the commission might be able to have that role of convening some thinkers around this, having policy committee meetings where you invite some thinkers around carbon fees or other mechanisms. Um, and the commission could start to help the department figure out how we um, how we put together the, the plan for this and then bring it to the elected officials as options. And then also the commission could help with fundraising, and I don't mean that to fund our department, but if there were ideas for foundations that might help fund, you know, sort of seed money, if you have those connections or if people who are listening tonight have those connections, that's also super helpful. I've been talking to UC Berkeley, trying to figure out how they can help us. They have the Center for Law of Energy and the Environment. They do these kinds of workshopping and so there are people who want to help, but we got to organize them and then get to the point where it becomes an organizing principle. And, and like Commissioner Wald said, it, it's beyond, well beyond me personally, and it's, it's very much of how much do we mean this as a city. So thank you for that question. So Debbie, just to, just to make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying, the, um, when we talk about funding and searching for you know sources of funding that is funding that's going to help us to understand what kind of organizing campaign thing gets put to the voters in what way that would create a stable source of revenue for us long term so it's that's not exactly saying, right. hey city give us a whole bunch of money out of the general fund right we you know do the work to figure it out from a voter perspective and a policy perspective. I mean, maybe there's a way we don't need the voters. Maybe there are some interesting sort of uh, credit sales kinds of thing or some other opportunities that we have legislatively that we don't need to go to the ballot. I just don't know at this point. And we need some resources to understand in the context of Prop 218, in the context of there, California is unique in its guardrails or boundaries. And so we need legal minds. We need and that's not me. So we need other people than me, science me, to do that. I think that's helpful. Other commissioners, Commissioner Bermejo. Thank you, President Stevenson. I just wanted to say that uh, in regards to the outreach to the members of the Board of Supervisors, I think, uh, and I, by the way, I agree with what has been said so far about needing to uh, increase our efforts to also let people know about the good work of the commission and the department. And I think it seems like a really good time right now with there are new members on the board of supervisors um, that probably could use a 101, what, what does our commission do? And so I think those kinds of meetings and letters do help because at the end of the day, 
you have to put something in writing to answer back to, to those folks. And so that is also leaves a trail, but also a commitment in one way of somebody articulating either where their priorities are, where they're not, and what is it that we need to do to make sure that they understand why this is so important. So I think definitely reaching out and um, I know we're all tired of the Zoom meetings, but maybe there are either phone calls, but definitely um, writing a letter and following up with phone calls is a way to reach out to, especially the new members of the Board of Supervisors and to talk about the need to fund uh, climate change and all of these things where San Francisco has been a leader and this is no time to, to stand down or to, to hold back. Thank you. Commissioner Wan. Hi, just uh, more like technical questions on the process of the budget for this year. So I see on the resolutions that we try to ask the mayor and the board of supervisor to use the funding from the stimulus allocation to make the department whole, right? Uh, I'm just wondering, has, ha, has there been any conversation between the department and the mayor's office yet? And what's the response? Because I know the mayor needs to present her budget first before the board of supervisors to approve. So if we want to go the sequence, we need to work with the mayor's office first while we also, we still got some time with the board of supervisors to see who might champion um, this request, right? Yeah, and that's an excellent point, Commissioner Wan. So yes, it's, I mean, the first is the mayor's office, but the mayor is already hearing from the board about all these plans to spend that stimulus money, right? They're already hearing about all these great ideas. So it's it's a little bit iterative, more than, although it is linear in the case of the actual budget. And yes, I have notified the mayor's budget office. I've been vocal. Um, they understand my the predicament. And they, I, and, and how I read between the lines is that it's, it's helpful for everyone to be aware of how painful and what the impacts are, and that the more voices that are sharing that information, the better. So the resolution is helpful because the resolution will go to the mayor's office first. It'll also go to the board, as will any other communication that you make, and that will enable the mayor to know that, hey, there's a constituency out here that is going to me, but they're also going to the board. So if the board is saying, I want to spend all that money in some other direction, the mayor has some somebody backing her up to say, no, the, the climate's important to me. So you're 100% correct in terms of that our, my first focus is on the mayor's office. And yet we're not going to wait till June 1st to start to talk to the board. My final thought is I also saw on the resolution said that we want to ask the mayor and the board to increase the department's funding. It's always good to have a dollar amount how much we want to ask them to increase the funding. Or uh, just because everybody's going to ask them to increase the funding. So they will have a asking how much and for what reason. I, I just want to make sure we prepare that if we want to ask for more, what is it for and how much we're asking more? Yeah, President Stevenson, do you wanna talk about, I, I'm not, we need to make sure that resolution is clearly worded because I'm not sure it asks for that specific thing, but let's- It didn't, it just say increase the funding. So my- it just, it, it, Yeah, is it long range or is it short term? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that we've got, you know, in, in the conversation that has come up 
from a lot of the commissioners who've spoken, I think that I agree with what the sentiment is, which is we've got to get this year fixed, right? So, and if we're not clear about that in the resolution, we should probably be clear about that, that we've got to make whole the loss that we that we have in the budget that we've put forward already, that we've already approved, but that this longer term, so to me, I think that the resolution addresses the fact that we need the short-term opportunity, you know, the short-term fix. We also need a sustainable, supportable, long-term plan for this, for, for our budget. That's not something that's gonna come out of this budget cycle um, in my mind. I think that is something that's going to have to be a broader focus that we have some interim steps to take before then. And I don't think we know, I mean, from what I hear you saying, Debbie, we don't know what those steps all are yet. We've got to do the work to figure out what all those steps are. Um, but I think that to me, the resolution is addressing the short-term piece, plug the hole, and the long-term need to start working in that direction. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't accomplish that, I think we should probably dive into it and talk about it a little bit. It might be a good time to talk about Commissioner Wald's um, amendment as well. But does that, I mean, Sarah, because I think that, that, you know, we're not asking for a dollar figure um, specifically beyond plugging the hole. Uh, which is fine. I just want to make sure it doesn't drop because a lot of time when we talk about budget advocacy, if we don't have a solid amount, it really pretty much quite honestly means nothing to right. a lot of key stakeholders. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent on that. And so the, the question is if somebody at the board or the mayor's office says, okay, we actually want you to do this extra work, then I would be able to say, all right, this is what the money we need to do that work. And that may happen actually in the budget discussions where a supervisor says, well, you know what, I see what you're doing on electric vehicles, but I actually think you should be doing this thing in, in addition then that would give me the chance to put something on that. And I, and you're absolutely right, Commissioner, that if we're asking for additional money, if we're not specific for what it does and how much, it's it's nothing, yeah. Uh, and then the last question I have, does the department has any plan to let more general public know aware of this cut and the impact on San Francisco, like media attention or any other thing? I'm, I'm just asking. <laughs> Well, this this is televised. This is a, this is a public meeting. It's televised. There may be media that there often are media, frankly, that pay attention to what you all are talking about, and there may be media that come out of that. And we are designing. Charles and I are thinking about our strategy for um, for helping people understand the realities of the budget situation. Yeah. So it could be not only San Francisco, it could be a statewide issues. It could be. Oh, yes. I'm yeah. Sure. So I'm wondering if that will be like collective efforts that will focus on this. And maybe that will be a special initiative from a, a private philanthropy will drop a drop off the bucket. <laughs> yeah. So this feels like a good time maybe to, to move to the resolution and um, Talk about that a little bit. Johanna, did you want to, Commissioner Wall, did you want to um, talk about, I mean, we'll, we'll have to have a motion before we, I think actually before you can move to amend the resolution, we probably have to move to approve the resolution, second it, and then have an amendment, correct? And we still have to have public uh, comment. Public comment will come after the motion. Right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm 
in my, I'm happy to move that we uh, approve this resolution. So here's a second. Seconded by Commissioner Ahn. And then. Sorry, can we really vote to approve it before the amendments happen? That seems. We have to odd. amend it first and then approve it, then move. Where's move Charles? Right here. Okay. My Robert's rules of order just, just fell off, fell out this window. Do we just Um, do I hear a motion? Well, uh, Johanna, why don't you walk through your amendment and then we can have a discussion. Okay. So, but before I do that, I want to say I have another idea and I, and I want to say something in response to what uh, Commissioner Juan said. Uh, here's my idea that we at least consider adding as an appendix to this resolution, a list of all the things that we're not going to be able to do because of um, the immediate short-term crisis that we're in. Um, second. Sorry, could I add one small thing to, uh, I mean, to again, like to Commissioner Wan's point, I do like the idea of broader envisioning uh, as well and like having a specific ask, uh, a, a concrete number which we can hang our hats on. And I, I'm just trying to think of stuff the department would like to do but hasn't been able to do that, you know, I, I get the point of this resolution that we're just trying to, you know, respond to a crisis and plug in a short-term gap. But as part of that appendix, Commissioner Wall just suggested, maybe there is a specific funded equity piece too that the department and future policymakers can think through around, say, like addressing a particular program in Baby Hunter's Point or the Tenderloin or South of Market, whatever it is. I'm not hung up on the details right now, but just thinking that through with the appendix, I think would be really good mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. to get to that number. Mm -hmm. so and and related to that, I want to say that I think the paragraph that raises the the one paragraph that in my mind at least raises the question about whether we're talking about short-term money, interim money, and or where we could put in if we had it, a specific number is the paragraph um that begins on line five on page 20. That's where we make a general request that the department's funding, in addition uh, to the reductions, be increased. It's just, it's a very open-ended request with yes. no, no sum, no yes. sum and no, and no concrete actions. So that's where I think the confusion comes in the minds of, of the commissioners who are, who are unclear as to what all the purposes of uh, yeah. this are. So Johanna, so, so commissioners, the, the, uh, 346,000 that's mentioned earlier in the resolution, I think is what's being referenced. And I think that does it, in terms of the short-term gap, let's talk about that. In terms of the short-term funding gap, if we reiterate in the section that you're talking about, Commissioner Wald, if we reiterate the 346,000 that's needed to plug the hole. You don't, you don't have to, uh, Commissioner Stevenson, because it is referred to. Yes. 
uh, in the immediately preceding paragraph. That's what the resolution is that they should make the department whole. Yes. So um, I think that what gets hard here is that I don't think that we're in a position. I mean, I don't feel like I'm in a position to say these are all the things the department should be doing um, toward our climate action plan. You know, the, the big picture long term funding doesn't feel like something that I feel like we can create an easy appendix around because it feels like there's a lot of work that has to get done to say that this is what the long term big vision of of how we need to fund this department yeah. needs to. Be. Yeah. So I want to make sure that we're not trying to ask, not I don't want to water down a future ask or this 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 big picture by being too particular in this case. Like I would like, I think the theory behind this is that the stimulus money make us whole now, and then we figure out how to do the work that that. Uh, Director Rafael referred to earlier with regard to fundraising around getting some clarity around something like something to go to the voters. Right. So my my amendment is directed to your later point. I yep. think yep. a solution is to eliminate this paragraph entirely. And if we don't eliminate it, my my proposed amendment would come immediately before it. And what would that amendment be? Okay, so I'm going to read it unless I send it to Charles. Yes, yeah, so um, earlier, Earl, can you share it with us? Yes, um, Katie's can, can share her screen with the, the new paragraph. And so why don't you read it and people can see it. Um, um, right there. Okay. So, oh, you have, oh, you have all, you, you accepted all of my proposed amendments. Okay. I was trying to prioritize. Right. No, you can prioritize. I think you have the um, option now to say like what you want and we can, we can right. put it in there and delete the other stuff. And then your, the colleague, your, you and your colleagues can go back and forth. That's the beauty of doing this virtually. We can actually do this virtually. So, um, so right. go ahead. Okay, so my, my first priority would be to add an entirely new paragraph, which is the one that begins now on line eight. eight. That was wrong. Okay. Yeah. At least seven. Yep. Um, okay. I don't. I don't know why the line. The. I'm sorry. The, I'm going. The, the I, don't know lines, I don't know why the lines are different, but further resolved that in the face of the climate crisis and the urgent need for San Francisco to continue to lead at home as well as nationally and internationally, it is critical that action be taken to address the department's ongoing lack of stable and sufficient funding to carry out the essential climate and EV work that it has been tasked with. That's my best shot here, which. And, that, and your preference would be to add that without removing the next paragraph. 
No, I hadn't thought about removing the next paragraph until this discussion. Great. I thought it wasn't. I thought it was a little weak for the reasons that uh, Commissioner Juan uh, raised, but uh, in in the absence of a, yep. like I I think in the absence of a of a concrete figure, and because it's it may detract from the primacy of the need to fill the short term hole and to get started on the long-term uh, prospect. Um, that, that we should delete that and. Okay, so your amendment is that we, your, your proposal is that we, in this, in what we're looking at on the screen, that we keep eight through 11 and we get rid of lines 12 through 16. Yes. And then, then I would, now that I see it, I would make a tiny change in, in the line, what is now line 17, that says that given, and I'm making this up on the fly, give, given uh, the department's currently situate, uh, current funding situation that the commission also asked the board and the Mayor to collaborate to help get a long-term um, on on the development of a long-term. Uh, Commissioner Wald, yeah. Commissioner Wald, I may be missing something, but it seems to me by by deleting the paragraph that starts on line twelve, we're we're eliminating the request to increase funding for the department, aren't we? We are, but that's because we don't have a concrete number for that. Well, that's and right, so, but uh, just to play devil's advocate, I, don't we think it's important to, even if we don't have a number, to maintain the concept, which is that we need to do more, and if we're gonna be doing more, we need more funding. Yes, but, and here I'm the devil's advocate for, now I'm being Commissioner Juan, it's just, it's like a throwaway without a real number. It's, it will not have an impact on the audience to which we have, are addressing this because we don't have a specific request. I mean, we could make one up. We could say, uh, you know, increase the budget by 10% at least 10%, um, or maybe 20, we should start higher because it's a negotiated <laughs> document. Uh, but the, there was a, an expressed feeling, which I find, I personally find myself in sympathy with that in the absence of a concrete number, we both delete diminish the power of our request for $346,000 to make the department whole and minimize the, the importance of finding a long-term solution. If I thought that keeping that in would give us more money, 
I would keep it in, but I don't think it's it's enough. And I I thought I heard both Debbie and Commissioner Juan agree on that point. Commissioner Juan, do you want to weigh in? Um, Commissioner Sullivan, are you, how do you yeah, feel? I, I think, I think maybe this, Sorry, can you hear me? Is. Now we can hear you, Commissioner Juan. So I, I think what I'm saying, my point is without putting a figure there, um, they probably won't pay attention to there. But what I'm saying that even if we leave the paragraph there, we should think about, are we having another resolution in the future? to talk about what long-term funding we should have. Right. Well, request a meeting, but it, it can't be just leave it there and expect that, yes, somehow the, the mayor or the board supervisor will figure out what long-term funding or how a bit more, how much that we're going to put as additional funding. Uh, in other words, it won't serve a purpose unless we have the next step. We're in the near future about how much are we asking. And First of all. Uh, President Stevenson, if I may. Yep, go ahead, Commissioner On. sorry. Yeah, just to add on to that, maybe in absence of a specific number, because it's hard to just pull it out tonight uh, as an increase in funding, maybe just setting ourselves a timetable would be probably more appropriate. Like in the future, the commission will request this increase in funding by this date. You know, just some, whether it's like, the, if we can't come up with the exact financial number, maybe it makes more sense to come up with a date in which to expect that number. Or, if I may, uh, Commissioner Stevenson, President Stevenson, another option would be that we would just ask the mayor and the board to acknowledge that the department needs more money and a stable funding source to do the work that they've set out for us. I mean, I don't, I think that's a pretty strong statement. I don't know if they would, but on the, ba on the basis of, of, you know, this resolution, if, if they would at least acknowledge that we can't continue this way, but maybe that's more what the letter's about. Yeah. Um, Commissioner on your idea of a timeline feels almost as challenging to me. I mean, as, as the, the dollar figure, right? Like, because we need to get through some steps to be able to create the ultimate ask. Um, Commissioner Walt, I love the idea of an acknowledgement. I don't know what anyone else here thinks that will do if it will actually drive feedback or action. Um, has anyone had any experience with resolutions asking for an acknowledgement? We're alone out here for doing our own path. Mr. Sullivan. So I, I think maybe the disconnect that I was having with Commissioner Wald, I, I wasn't suggesting um, 
an increase in the current budget because I agree if we're going to ask for an increase you got to you got to name your number my my point was that we signaled to the board and to the mayor that we need to have increases in future funding if the department is to do all the important things that it is to do so um a suggestion would be to take the paragraph that was deleted um, and rather than say that the commission also asked the mayor and the board to increase funding to say instead to support future increases in funding something like that uh, for the department to ensure the department's ability to accelerate efforts etc the, the, the concept is that we are trying to do the most important thing that the city has has to do, which is deal with this emergency, and we just don't have adequate funding. And it's not just a problem of three hundred forty-six thousand dollars. It's 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 a chronic problem that we've had, and, and mm -hmm. um, in the face of a climate emergency, we can't we can't afford that anymore. Um, President Stevenson, can I do a processing here? Thanks. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Katie, you're you're editing the wrong clause. So I think you need to stop. And I think we need to um, maybe have you work. Maybe it's time for public comment and we need to work on this a little bit so it's not in live time and I can work with Katie on it because I feel like now it's becoming a little mushy. And what I'm hearing, um, and Katie, just make sure you understand this and Charles too, is that the what's on the table now is that Johanna has put a new paragraph in, period. There's a new paragraph. And then there's an existing paragraph that we're talking about, which was on line five in the original, that has to do with, in addition to restoring funding, right? Do we go more? Do we ask for a commitment? Do we just say you need more and that's it? Because we're all acknowledging that we don't have a number. We don't have a date by which time we'll have a number. If we just ask, or more in sort of this ethereal way, it, it's as if that paragraph doesn't exist. So I hear what what I hear both Commissioner Sullivan and Commissioner um, Wald su suggesting is that the ask, the action, because this is a result or actions, is that we're asking for an acknowledgement. We're asking for recognition that the department needs more money. So maybe that's the biggest, most concrete ask we can do in that paragraph if we don't want to eliminate it. Did I summarize that pretty well? Yes. Okay. My, my, my issue is I don't know about Commissioner Sullivan's. Is he nodding? Uh, an, an acknowledgement that we need an increase in the budget in the future to do our work. That If that's the, the idea that I'm... Okay. I'm totally on board. So why doesn't Katie and I, Katie can, and I will work a little bit of that and then we can move the meeting forward. I just feel like we're going. To... I, I agree. All right. So um, while that is being done, can we please move to public comment, Katie? Unless commissioners, are there any other things that you want to discuss before we move to public comment? All right. Let's do it. All right, I will put the instructions up on the screen for anyone who is joining via WebEx. And I will also just read out the instructions for anyone who would like to call in to make a public comment on this agenda item. And just a reminder that you will have two minutes to make your comment. 
Um, but if you would like to comment, please dial 415-655-0001 and enter access code 187-096-1685. And give me one second while I check our queue. All right, and I am seeing that we currently have 16 callers in the queue, and so I'm going to switch screens and I will pull up the timer. One second. All right, and I'm going to unmute our first caller and start the timer now. Uh, good evening, commissioners. My name is Julia Harding, and I am a representative organizer at Local 21. I am here tonight speaking on behalf of our members who every single day are diligently carrying out the mandates of our environmental code, in addition to mandates from any new legislation that comes from City Hall. Their uh, resilience in facing uncertain funding conditions and their commitment to the mission of this department is what will get us to a future where the city remains inhabitable. These are the individuals that the city should take its cue from as we determine what our budget priorities are. We know for certain that we have just realized a $125 million surplus in the city budget from which the city can support the needs of this department. And we also know that the house just passed the American Rescue Plan, uh, where the city is slated to receive 600 million in almost completely unrestricted funding. So we have the resources um, to invest in our people who make this work possible and in our communities, particularly our communities of color who have the most to lose if we don't get this right. So our commitment has to go further than task-oriented policies. It needs to be accompanied by a level of investment that allows us to continue to develop plans like our climate action plan and be able to implement these plans. So I'd like to commend the department's leadership, uh, Director Raffel and Commissioner Stevenson for taking this first step and encourage the rest of the commissions to vote yes on this resolution. I speak for all of us at Local 21 when I say we'll be a partner in this effort and we look forward to securing dedicated short-term and long-term funding for this department. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and unmute our next caller. And I just want to uh, say thank you to everyone who's currently on hold in the queue. Please hang in there until it is your turn to speak. Okay, and I'm going to unmute our next caller. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Huey Lee. I'm a local 21 member and I work on the residential toxic reduction team at the Department of Environment. I want to speak today to also support the resolution and to support my fellow colleagues who will be impacted by the budget cuts. The climate and EV team are invaluable to the department and the city as a whole, as highlighted by Debbie. It doesn't make sense to fund this vital work with a patchwork of one-time grants. Between our current surplus and our expected direct aid from Congress, San Francisco can't afford to invest in our department. Um, what we can't afford is to stop creating a greener city and more habitable planet. Um, I encourage you and implore you to support the resolution and to, to help secure current and future funding for the department. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. All right, now I'll unmute our next caller now. 
Good evening, commissioners. My name is Shreva Mehta. I'm here today as a member of the public and a member of Local 21 Union to speak in support of this resolution and related efforts to support the department with its funding. I feel that it is extremely important that the department receive more stable long-term funding to support the critical work that it does. Work that, as you know, centers low-income communities of color that have been disproportionately impacted by pollution and climate change. On a personal note, I have experienced the stress of having to secure funding on top of implementing programs, and it has been an ongoing challenge in the two decades that I've been with the department. I hope that the city will show its commitment to climate action and racial equity by providing more stable funding to the department. This will help ensure our important programs are sustainable and that we can retain our amazing staff. And thank you commissioners for always being incredibly supportive of all of us. Thank you for your comment. All right, I will unmute our next caller now. Hello and thank you commissioners. My name is Brian Reyes. I'm a local 21 member and I also work as a 5638 climate and sustainability, sustainability analyst with the climate team at Department of Environment. So I've been incredibly lucky to work with Debbie and every one of the staff up and down at Department of Environment. Um, I'd like to take the time to express the support for this resolution, um, providing the short and long-term funding for this department, in particular to protect the livelihoods of our hardworking union employees. So my day-to-day, -day, as many of you know, as a climate, I'm a climate analyst responsible for uh, developing the city's climate action plan as part of the team and engaging all stakeholders within city agencies and the public and global professional networks, all of which is responsible for giving San Francisco its reputation of being an avant-garde city when it comes to climate action. Our department has done such a great job, as you heard from Debbie, at securing grants and work orders. And my past six years, I've seen that hard work, but the economic effects of this last year's pandemic has highlighted what we've known for a very long time. That is, we can't continue to rely on provisional funding to support our team's efforts and build staff capacity to address the city's growing need to address the climate emergency. So this is a very real chance that the city will receive that $600 million. And as mentioned before, we also learned this earlier this month that the city actually has a budget surplus of $125 million that does not include federal funding or addition, additionally FEMA reimbursements the city will receive. The city has the means to support this department. Um, commissioners, uh, really working with you all, and I appreciate all your support, so I urge you to vote yes on this resolution. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I will unmute our next caller now. Oops, let me try that again. There we go. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Elena Engel, and I am with the San Francisco Climate Emergency Coalition. And with 350 San Francisco, I'm a resident of District 9. And I agree with what the commissioners have said and what the previous callers have said. San Francisco environment needs an adequate budget and it needs to not have the cuts in its poultry and inadequate current budget. So let's first take the cuts. 
You know, news just broke last week in an audit of CARB's EV programs that the state's not going to make its climate emission reduction goals. So what is San Francisco going to do? It's going to cut the few staff it has in the EV programs? We are never going to make our goals if we do that. And then let's take the bigger picture. So as, as the union people said, we have staff who are raising their own grant money to fund their programs. Really? You know, we are not an impoverished country. These professionals should be doing their job, not raising funds. This is outrageous. And SFE has just updated their cap. Who's going to do the, the humongous amount of work that needs to be done to put this into action, to even find out what it's going to cost in terms of staff and money to put this into action. We need a large increase in the budget. We know that this has to be a political process and we're ready to help you with it. This is, this is outrageous. We can't meet our goals unless we really fund the Department of the Environment. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I will unmute our next caller now. Hi, commissioners. Good evening. My name is Sylvia Pock. I am a Local 21 member, and I am one of two climate change analysts at the Department of the Environment serving the entire city of San Francisco. I want to say that I cannot imagine working for a better department or living in a better city where we do have a strategic vision and where our impact can have such a positive impact on San Francisco residents in an unmatched way. Since coming on board in 2016, I've led the effort to develop the methane mass report, which is the basis for the city's unanimously approved legislation to enforce the city's natural gas ban and new construction. I led the technical analysis and development of the Focus 2030 report, which served as our climate emergency response. I engage and provide technical assistance and climate advice to other city agencies. And currently I'm coordinating the development of the city's climate action plan, which is a key roadmap to enforcing actions and strategies that allow us to be proactive in the climate change front. As part of this climate work, we also have a commitment to advance our racial equity uh, goals and find how it overlaps with this climate emergency and identify the very real ramifications of our of our marginalized and at-risk communities. Unfortunately, it is work like this that is currently at risk if we don't get a proper funding formula for the department. These budget cuts will directly impact uh, 56, 38 positions like mine. And like stated earlier, you know, now it's our jobs on the line, but a few months ago, it was other people's. So we know there are sources to pull from. And if the city is serious about the commitment to tackling climate change and this climate emergency and advancing racial equity, we need to secure funding that will allow us to continue serving San Francisco residents. I urge you and I thank you so much for your support and your leadership in voting yes for this resolution. Thank you for your comment. All right, and I will unmute our next caller now. 
Good evening, commissioners. My name is Bianca Polavina. I'm a 15 year resident of San Francisco, a proud District 5 resident and a city worker. I am the vice president for membership and organizing for IFPTE Local 21. Local 21 is the second largest union representing city workers, around 5,500 city and county of San Francisco employees. I'm here tonight to stand with my Local 21 colleagues who work at Department of Environment. We appreciate that the commission is not only willing to adopt and strengthen the resolution before you today, but has also expressed its desire to stand by the resolution's principles in the coming months and continue to advocate for and secure long-term sustainable funding for Department of Environment. As my colleagues have described, San Francisco is due to receive $600 million from the federal stimulus bill pending before Congress. The money is there. We can build the political will together. Our city deserves a fighting chance to achieve its climate goals. And that means our city also deserves and needs a robustly funded Department of Environment. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I'll unmute our next caller now. Hi, commissioners. This is uh, Chris again. Um, I, I appreciate you trying to find a short-term solution, but honestly, this resolution is currently written as just wholly inadequate. We need to put a number down in this resolution. Um, personally, I think a very modest ask would be an extra hundred million dollars per year for SFE. And you might, you know, might laugh at that, but if you look at the task ahead of us, just to retrofit all of the existing buildings, we're talking about billions of dollars that residents don't have, but the city has, and we, we just, like Elena said, it's outrageous to rely on private entities and philanthropy to get us where we need to be. Like imagine paying for your fire department with grants from private institutions. It's ridiculous. We need to tell the board of supervisors and the mayor very clearly how much money we need. And we might not have the perfect backup research behind it today, but we should throw a number out there. I, we are all climate advocates. We know the numbers are in the billions and it'd be very easy to put down 10, 50, hundred million dollars more per year. And we might not get it now, but we will get in front of the board of supervisors and the mayor so that they will know down the road that they have to pay attention to us. Um, it's just unacceptable to not put a number down now. And, you know, I know how politicians work. If you don't get their attention now, they will ignore you. They will try to fill the gap now and they will ignore you going forward. This is your shot. We're running out of time. We do not have time to, to waste researching all the various plans and how we're gonna spend the money. We need the money now. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I will unmute our next caller now. Hi, this is Daniel Tahara, District 8, a member of the San Francisco Climate Emergency Coalition. The SFE budget, uh, both before cuts, the cuts, and after, is an indictment of our elected officials who claim that climate change is an existential threat and yet do nothing to address it except offer their words. That includes the mayor, who asked the department to make cuts in its budget, as well as the board, who passed a climate emergency resolution in 2019, after which, apart from the easy first step of banning natural gas and new construction, they haven't seriously addressed climate at the emergency speed they claim they would. 
It is crucial that climate-related work is well-funded starting this budget cycle. The current system in which our critical climate goals do not have a stable source of funding and are dependent on funds from other departments or external grants casts a shadow over our city's posture of being a climate leader. SFE's climate program is a line item that is less than 1% of 1% of the city's budget. The EV work is half of that. This is a mockery of our climate goals and the work that the department does. If we're debating about the short-term funding gap and primarily asking to be made whole, we're losing the war. If we're praying for stimulus money as a get out of jail free card, we're playing the wrong game. We need to stop thinking about the confines we've been given, funding from recology, grants and work orders, and start embodying the leadership we claim. That includes the Commission on the Environment. You need to stop approving things merely because it moves the process along. The process is broken. My parting message to you is this, ask for the world. If you don't, there will be none left. And Commissioner Wald, if you'd like to join us in meeting with your supervisor, we'd be happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I'm, I'm going to unmute our next caller now. Hello. Hello. Oh. Uh, hang on. If, if you have the meeting on another device, you might need to mute it. Okay. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Go ahead. Sorry. Try one more time. Okay, I think you can hear me, so I will speak now. Yes, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to set your timer. Hi, uh, sorry about all that. My name's Sarah Greenwald. I uh, I live in Supervisor Stephanie's district. I know you guys feel discouraged. You know, UN, UN committee that just reporting their survey on the Paris Climate Accord, asking uh, what countries in, will the emissions fall by the amount we need by 2030? You call that was 45% answer. No, they're on course to go down less than 1%. Okay. And um, I know you have um, the city's priorities. The city is dealing with three major catastrophes, the pandemic and homelessness and climate change. With climate change, there will be more outbreaks of new diseases because it disrupts the natural species interaction, keeps them in check. We know that many things cause homelessness, but with more and more weather catastrophes, more people around the world and across the country will become climate refugees seeking a place to call home. None of these problems will stop getting worse if the climate doesn't stop getting worse. Yet, I see the department that pulled together San Francisco's climate action plan having to beg the city to restore this department's portion of the city budget to its previous level of less than one hundredth of one percent. This is madness. Now, people in Houston still don't have water today because the pipes froze in the storm and they didn't have enough plumbers and pipes to fix it. It's not just the freeze they're all saying, it's that the city had no plan. That's where you come in. We are heading into a chaos without precedent. This is what I want you to tell the city, okay? that we are heading into a chaos without precedent and we will not be able to handle it unless we've got plans. So we damn well better invest and make sure that these plans are as good quality 
as humanly possible. So your task is to make the city give SFE what it needs to put us in motion against the climate emergency following well-crafted, flexible plans. And I wish you the very best and we'll do what we can to help you. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. And we'll unmute our next caller now. Hi, my name is Helena Barecki. I'm in District 9 and I'm a member of the Climate Reality Project. Um, I couldn't agree more with all the public comment that has been made today. Um, and I want to thank the Department of Environment and the commissioners for sounding the alarm that we need stable emergency level funding for climate action and climate justice. Um, quoting Supervisor Wald, without implementation, we can't achieve or we are not going to achieve our policy goals. Um, it is devastating to see even this city where I live and was born fail to meet its words with actions on the climate emergency. I should have 50 to 55 more years to live. My niece, born last year, would be 80 in 2100. The San Francisco Declaration of Climate Emergency adopted unanimously by our Board of Supervisors in 2019 starts, whereas climate change is an urgent unfolding crisis that presents a serious threat to global stability and human existence. Yet, San Francisco's climate budget is 1% of 1% of San Francisco's budget. That's one ten thousandth. And we're, today we're talking about cuts to that tiny amount. It is ludicrous that we are not getting funding from the city for the climate emergency that it declared. I implore our government, including Mayor Breed, my supervisor, Hillary Ronan, and the rest of the Board of Supervisors to put its money where its mouth is. We need not to just add back the most current cuts, but to assure stable funding to meet our climate pledges. We need to analyze the costs and resources required to implement an emergency response to limit global warming to 1.5 C, identify durable long-term funding sources for San Francisco environment, a clean energy building hub, and the city's climate action broadly. And we need to properly fund staff at the level needed to do this urgent work so that they can stop spending 25% of their time scraping together grants to implement their programs. This is about the future and it's about health and equity right now. How many COVID deaths would have been avoided if people living near freeways had not also been breathing in the particulates from gas powered vehicle emissions? How many babies born now will avoid asthma or worse if we actually electrify our vehicles and buildings? We cannot avert the climate disaster with hopes and prayers. We need real. Okay, your time is up. Thank you for your comment. All right, I'm going to unmute our next caller now. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Maura McKnight, and I'm the executive director of the Business Council on Climate Change based in San Francisco. Our 20 members represent some of the most iconic brands in San Francisco. Many of them are climate leaders, and we have a longstanding history of collaborating with the Department of the Environment around climate ambition. I strongly support both restoring this funding in the short term with stimulus dollars and finding long-term sustainable funding streams in the future. So San Francisco can continue to be a global leader in addressing this threat. This moment is exactly the wrong time to take our foot off the gas on climate leadership and program implementation. 
to achieve an economic recovery that is rooted in the health and prosperity of all of its residents, the city really must continue to prioritize sustainable <clears throat> actions and climate actions. We need strong programs on the climate space in order to implement elements of President Biden's recovery plan and to build back better. And we need to align with this and have the staff to do the work. We also need the staff to provide technical support around the very challenging goals that lie ahead of us. All the low hanging fruit has already been picked. The challenges ahead are very, very complicated. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. At BC3, we've launched a climate smart recovery initiative that focuses on building decarbonization and transportation recovery. We've been working to understand and align with the mayor's task force on recovery recommendations and the new updated cap strategies from the department. Many businesses located in San Francisco take great pride in the pioneering work of this department. And we know that a number of residents and employees of these businesses based here are hungry for the kind of leadership that is laid out in the climate action plan. Our organization looks forward to collaborating with the department and the commission on the long-term funding strategies that you are planning. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment. We'll unmute our next caller now. Hello, my name is Katie Escoffier and I recently retired after 12 years as the sustainability manager at Genentech. I now serve as the advisory board chair of the Business Council on Climate Change, which Maura just spoke to. I'll be very brief since Maura just said it all. <laughs> I strongly support both restoring this funding in the short term and finding long-term reliable funding streams for the climate program so that, the San, so that San Francisco can continue to be a model for California, the US and the world in addressing climate change. I believe that SFE's climate work has been instrumental in cementing San Francisco's leadership reputation and making San Francisco be the kind of city that our member companies want to be located in. Also our member companies employees are demanding climate action and want to live and work in a city that shares their concern for the environment. Again, I strongly support this resolution. Thank you so much for your efforts. Thank you for your comment. I will unmute our next caller now. Hi, good evening, commissioners. My name is Jeff Whitesell and I live in the Mission in District 9. And I'd uh, like to add my voice as, as one more voice of many supporting the resolution we're talking about tonight. Um, I can't pretend to know better than the commissioners about how to word this resolution to best get the attention of the mayor and the board. But I do want to echo something that many of the callers tonight have said, which is that the existing funding model for the Department of the Environment um, with no sustainable, reliable sources of funding that that's a ridiculous way to fund such an important work. And the, uh, the paragraph in the resolution that was the, uh, most discussed that include the, include the language, the COE asked the mayor and the board to increase the department of funding. I, I have to admit in its original form, I found that incredibly polite given how uh, important and, and, um, and, and substantial that, that that issue is that the, the funding model is, is so uh, uh, inadequate. Um, and I, I felt like uh, Commissioner Wald's uh, amendment or extra language improved it some, but but uh, I, I think you could uh, juice that up even more because uh, 
someone really needs to get punched in the nose about this. Um, there, there's so much important work that the Department of the Environment has to do. Like we, we just had this incredible success moving to all electric new construction, but there's uh, next steps where we have to uh, um, uh, like start working on our existing building stock. And there are a bunch of red X's uh, in, in uh, Director Raphael's presentation about, about those, those programs that like aren't gonna get done because we don't have a reliable uh, source of funding. Uh, very similar with, with electric vehicles. Like we, like that's very complicated. How are we going to make sure that, that we have a, a, the electrical infrastructure for all those charging? Like if, if, uh, if we have had less than a full-time employee and, and maybe we even have to lay those, that person off, how are we going to, 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 to fund that work? So if the board and the mayor wants to show that they're sincere about like addressing the climate emergency, they need to, to come up with a, a serious way to fund this, this uh, department. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I will unmute our next caller now. Um, hi, this is Joni Eisen, a resident of District 10, member of Climate Emergency Coalition. Um, thank you, commissioners, for convening this meeting. Director Raffel's uh, presentation about everything that can't get done really scared me. A city's budget reflects its values. How can we tell our kids and grandkids that we didn't value their future health and safety or anyone else's for that matter, enough to adequately fund the programs and everything else necessary to meet our climate goals in time to avoid catastrophe? With no dependable lasting sources of funding, SFE doesn't even have the funding to begin to figure out how much implementing the climate action plan might cost. With no general funds for SFE, the incredible, hardworking, expert, but understaffed department is doomed not to be able to meet the increasing challenges of changing climate. That can't be allowed to happen, and it's, we certainly can't allow reducing its current budget, which is so inadequate anyway. So when the city allows the department charged with overseeing climate action to have pathetically little money, that department is seen as having no power, no importance. Other city departments, therefore, feel free to ignore any of its mandates, all of which are urgent. So I believe that cutting SFE's already horribly inadequate budget is both fiscally and morally wrong. Please, commissioners, uh, make your case to the mayor and supervisors that for SFE to depend on work orders from other departments and for them to squander valuable staff time rating grant proposals is appalling and will have tragic results. This wealthy city and the wealthiest country in the world should be leading by example. The climate emergency deserves nothing less than its own line item in the city budget starting this year. At the same time, we should be putting a price on carbon emissions. Show the world what real San Francisco values look like. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. And I will unmute our next caller now. Um, good evening, uh, commissioners and uh, Director F.L. Uh, I'm very encouraged to hear the discussion tonight and the recognition of the importance of more funding. Um, I'd like to reiterate the comments of uh, Helena Bureke earlier. The climate crisis is incredibly complex. The interactions are incredible and often hidden and the opportunities with new technology to take advantage of low energy heat 
for increasing efficiency and lowering costs to residents is out there, but has not been investigated. It's critical in particular that SFE develop a plan to make the plan. And so understanding how to get the dedicated headcount now to map out what's needed over the next five years on a revolving basis is absolutely essential. Um, and I think I heard that recognized in the discussion, but I wanted to be explicit about that important thing. It's also important to recognize that as a leader, if San Francisco identifies opportunities, there is the chance to partner with other cities and counties to get the budget needed for larger projects, and that should be explored. And I thank you for your time, and I thank you for raising this issue tonight. Thank you for your comment. And we do have one additional caller in the queue, and that's so I will unmute our next caller now. Hello, uh, my name is Jeremy Brenner. I live in the Mission District. Um, I'll, I'll keep it short. I, I just want to really reiterate, reiterate what we've heard from a, a lot of the callers tonight um, that I think we need a much more sustainable funding method for this department. Um, we need stability. It's not reasonable for such an important department to be funded in this way. Um, to only have two climate change analysts um, for a city of this size and budget uh, and more important for a city that wants to be and has a great opportunity to be a, a global leader in this area um, is simply unacceptable. We, we need a much more stable and healthy budget. So thank you. Thank you for your comment. And I'm seeing no additional callers in the queue. and public comment is now closed. Thank you all for your very um, thoughtful and well-articulated feedback. We really appreciate the members of the public that show up time and time again to tirelessly, tirelessly work on behalf of the climate and the citizens of the city. Really, really appreciate your time for waiting all this time for your, for your turn in line. Appreciate it. All right, commissioners, Charles, do we have a amended bit of copy that we could take a look at? Yes, and so while uh, public comment was uh, happening, I've been working on it to try and encapsulate um, Commissioner Wall, Commissioner Wan, and Commissioner Sullivan. So that's what I did. So I channeled my inner all three. <laughs> um, Katie, I worked on the shared document. Can you sh share the shared document? Yes, give me one second while I pull it up. Sure. And so while Katie's putting it up there, um, I took, Commissioner Wald, I took the new paragraph that you wanted to add. And so that was, I think, I think that was kind of, that wasn't what was catching us. So I put that on there. And then based on the comments I heard from everyone, I tweaked the, um, the other paragraph, which we were getting caught up on. And what I have is obviously a suggestion. So we'll take a look at that shortly. Um, so this is the first paragraph um, that Commissioner Wald had um, suggested as an entirely new paragraph. I'm going to read it really quickly. Further resolved that in the face of the climate crisis and the urgent need 
for San Francisco to continue to lead at home as well as nationally and internationally, it is critical that action be taken to address the department's ongoing lack of stable and sufficient funding to carry out the essential climate and EV work that has been that it has been tasked with. So that's brand new. Um, as you can see, the next couple of lines are are all struck out. That was the old paragraph, and then there were some new things put in there. So it's all it's all been struck. Here is the synthesis, I think, of what we were, were talking about. Um, so let me see what you think. So further resolved that the Commission on the Environment also asks the mayor and board, um, in addition to restoring the reductions, to acknowledge the importance of increasing funding for climate and EV initiatives and to work with the department to accelerate efforts accordingly to address the growing threat of global warming. So I'll pause there because there's, I'll pause there. So that's, that's the synthesis, that's the newly revised paragraphs. Commissioners, any feedback on the, I think that we, we should probably take them independently um, on Commissioner Wald's recommended paragraph. I can't see everybody, so if you, might want to holler out because <laughs> I've got to go through the list of thought. Looks like everyone's thumbs up. That's great. All right. And then on the um, what looks like now the line 18 after the struck paragraph, um, the piece that Charles just read out, any feedback or discussion? I think Charles did a great job of synthesizing and uh, channeling. It definitely addresses my desire to signal the need for increased funding in the future. So I think it's great. Anyone else? And ditto from me. Well, if Commissioner Wald says thumbs up, I, I, I'm not thumbs up. She's our, um, she's our wordsmith. <laughs> so, so thank you. Um, I do have one other thing that's a little less complicated. It's the appendix of what we are not going to do. So if you can scroll to the bottom, I'm gonna walk you through that really simple. So that's what it's going to say. Um, what I'm essentially going to do um, is the PowerPoint slide that was presented with all of the, rec the, the red X's. We're gonna take that, that language and essentially like, you know, not make it a PowerPoint slide, but take that actual language and just put it as an attachment of like list of programs that will not be funded. So it's, it's pretty much the language you've already seen in the PowerPoint. Commissioner On, does that meet with your expectation for the appendix of things that would not be funded? It does. It just doesn't get at the increase in funding, which I think is where a lot of our discussion gets modeled. Um, I'm, I'm open to other ideas here. What I was thinking was making the wording more generalized, like list of unfunded programs rather than even that. Yeah, this is so such small wordsmithing, but yeah, just to make it a more general category. Are other commissioners open to that about discussing an increase in other types of programs or other areas that the department may need resourcing? Well, I, th I think I'm interested to discuss what to increase uh, or what programs that we need. The thing is, uh, is it like a time crunch that we need to pass the resolution so we can start the discussion from now on? 
And then the discussion of like further funding requests that we will have to table either at the, I don't know, operation committee or at the um, uh, full meeting next time, which is the right. end of this month, I think. Right, so, so maybe the really important thing to add here is that the, it's a partial list of programs that won't be funded under, you know, the current circumstances because that allows us to add uh, both other concrete examples if we have them, but also to add the kinds of uh, expansions that uh, we would want to be able to do. We can add the word partial in their partial list of programs. That's very yeah. easy to do, obviously. I was gonna suggest that yeah. as well for me. Um, if I may, President Stevenson, yeah, this what's critical about line 19 is that it's a partial list of programs that will not be funded unless the cut is restored. I think we just need to be really clear that this is this is a very small universe. This is not programs that won't be funded because we don't have increased funding. This is that cut. So I just, yeah, unless, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... I, I like this language. I also want to say that um, I'm fully committed to, we can have a conversation about our need for funding. I don't expect this conversation to stop anytime soon. Um, I think that we're going to be having this discussion, you know, until we fix the climate crisis, but hopefully, hopefully we're going to, we'll get it taken care of before, but um, you know, this is, this is work that, that I'm committed to doing that obviously the department is committed to doing and that I, I hear from, both the public and all of my fellow commissioners that we're we're all we see this as the the work of of this time so um i you know my strong belief is that we need to pass this resolution we need to support um, our department uh, get the money in the door to make sure that we don't lose the programming that we do have and do the hard work of um, making sure that the leaders of our city understand that we're serious and we need the time is now we need help now and on that, how about emotion sorry no on that note i agree president stevenson i, I mean we've heard today from climate activists union workers businesses yep. and department staff on how important this is so i'm in favor of pushing this out as quickly as possible and then also working again toward that long-term vision of increasing our department's funding that I, we've heard a lot of speakers today call for thank you commissioner um all right, so I think that what's next up would be for a motion to be made to make the amendments as they were stated by Charles. Do I hear a motion? Commissioner Wald, do I hear a second? And I can't see everybody. Yeah, I'm sorry, let me get my grid back up. Seconded by Commissioner Chu, thank you. Um, and then we vote on the amendment, and then we're going to have another motion after that. So can we do a roll call vote, please, on the amendment? Yes. Okay. I will call the roll call vote for the amendment. President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President Ahn. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Aye. Commissioner Chu. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Aye. And Commissioner Wan. Aye. All right, the amendment passes. Do I hear a motion to um, approve the amendment, or not approve the amendment, 
to um, push the resolution forward. The resolution. What motion? Yes. Oh, motion. Commissioner Wan moves. Do I hear a second? I will second. Commissioner Sullivan second. To a roll call vote, please. All right, President Stevenson. Aye. Vice President On. Aye. Commissioner Bermejo. Uh, let me see if she's lost her. Let me see if I can unmute her. Uh, Commissioner Bermejo. Okay, I have lost Commissioner Bermejo. I was on mute, sorry, I. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, Commissioner Chu. Aye. Commissioner Sullivan. Aye. Commissioner Wald. Aye. Commissioner Wan. Aye. All right, motion passes. Okay, the next item, please. All right, so we can move on to item six, adjournment. And with that, the time is 7.26 p.m. Thank you for joining us. Everyone, thank you so much for all of the extra time for a special meeting. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks all. Thank you, everybody. Have